hear what we're talking about. <coughs> Thanks, CG. Um, firstly, I just want to thank Emma and Nicole, particularly for doing breakfast this morning. <laughs> thank you, ladies. And thank you to, where is she? You. <laughs> You're sitting right in front of me. <laughs> Sorry, Maddie and Mel for helping come early and cook for us. And a big shout out to Steve who cooked the bacon for us. Good on you, Steve. I said to him, you're the most loved man in church right now for bringing us bacon this morning. And uh, thank you to Abby for making coffee for me. I mean, coffee for all of us. It wasn't just for my benefit, trust me, but uh, I'm very appreciative of the caffeine. Um, So last time we met together a few months ago, Emma was encouraging us from Hebrews 12 and to keep running for the glory of God. And so this morning, I wanted us to continue on being encouraged to walk with the Lord and being encouraged that God is the one who orders our steps in every season of life and that we can actually delight in him. Um, I do want to start by saying, ladies, that I'm definitely not coming here this morning as an expert. I can share honestly more with you my failings in this and the ways that I have stumbled along the way more than my successes. So um, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but to encourage you in the things that God has taught me in my however many years of life, (laughs) 40 plus, and uh, that, you know, we can still keep walking together in this. So before we start, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have the privilege to come together to study your word together, to look at who you are and to be amazed afresh by you. Lord, I pray that today we would be amazed again by your goodness to us and your (coughs) kindness And Lord, that we would be encouraged to trust in you as the one who orders our steps. Lord, help us to be able to delight in you. It's only by your grace that we can do that. And Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us with your word to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, if you've got your Bibles or your phones or whatever, if you want to uh, turn to uh, Psalm 37 verse 23 and 24 we'll be reading from. There are outlines on your tables if you like to follow along. It is a topical talk, so there's lots and lots of different verses rather than one particular passage we'll be looking at. So um, if you want to take it home and you'll have more time later to specifically look up those things if you like to do that. So let's look at Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. When he delights in his way, though he fall, he shall not be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I think these verses are such an incredible testimony of God's love for us, and it speaks of his divine sovereignty in our lives. I think Psalm 37 is a beautiful promise to us of God's goodness, and that he is the one who does order our steps in every season. He is the one in control. The steps of a good man or woman, in our case, are ordered by the Lord when he or she delights in his ways, in God's ways. And I think to delight in him means to find our satisfaction and our happiness in him. It's to find all of our identity in him. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, Delight in doing God's will and that we should love his law. I think delighting in him 
is looking to him and finding all of our joy in him. That's pretty easy, right? I don't think it's easy at all, actually. I don't know about you ladies, maybe it's easier for you, but I think it's a real challenge for us, especially when things are not going great. There are different seasons in our lives, the sunny ones and the stormy ones, and I think it can be a real struggle no matter what season we're in to find delight in the Lord. But before we look at how we're to delight, I wanted us to just ask the question, why? Why should we actually delight in the Lord? I'm sure there are many reasons, but the three that I would bring this morning would be, firstly, because he's actually worthy of our delight. David writes in Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. We delight in the Lord because he is worthy of all of our praise. He has actually inclined himself to us, lifted us out of the miry pit and brought us to a place where our feet are on the rock because he is worthy. The second reason, I think, is because we're actually commanded to delight in the Lord. Back um, in Psalm 37, a prior verse in verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I tell you, rejoice. This is not really something optional for us. It's actually something we are commanded to do. Even though it's difficult, we are commanded to do it. And I think thirdly, the reason why we are to delight in him, because there's actually huge blessing for us when we do that. When we delight in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our hearts. That doesn't mean he'll give us anything we want, the new car or the new house, not those kind of desires, but he will give us the desires of his will to follow him. And then when he will order our steps, when we delight in him. So there's great blessing for us when we walk obediently to find delight in him. In the Bible, I think there are many examples of beautiful godly women who trusted in their savior, who trusted in Yahweh, their God, and they knew that he was sovereign in their lives. And I think Hannah was one of those women. She delighted in the Lord. She trusted in him to order her steps, even though she experienced a very prolonged period of barrenness and now we know back in those times, being barren was had a whole different stigma than it does for us today. It was very shameful. It was seen as God was withholding blessing from you and probably it was your fault. And so somehow there was some shame attached to that. It also brought a lot of uncertainty and insecurity because who was going to look after you in your old age? So there could be fear associated with not being able to have children. But in spite of this, we know that Hannah kept trusting the Lord and she kept delighting in her savior and he eventually did bless her with Samuel in 1 Samuel 2 verses 1 to 10 we read a beautiful prayer that Hannah prays to God and she's praising him because her deep trust and delight is in him verse 9 says this he will guard the feet of his faithful ones She knew that her God was sovereign, that he was ordering her steps, and she could find her delight in him. So how can we be like Hannah? How can we trust that the mighty God, creator of the universe, is the one who orders our steps, 
How are we supposed to delight in him in every season and to trust him? You know, I think some seasons are harder than others, but I do think that every season actually brings with it its own struggles that we might lose sight of God and we might not truly find all of our delight in him. So today, my prayer is that you'll be encouraged to not give up trusting in your Saviour because he does order our steps and he loves you so much and he wants us to find our delight in him. So, look, I am a visual person, so today I've actually brought along some representations of footwear for each season that we walk through. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, the, first, um, the first shoes I brought along to represent summer are flip-flops. Now, I know us Aussies call them thongs, but for the sake of our international sisters who... For thongs is a completely different thing. <laughs> to save any confusion, we're going to go with flip-flops. Anyway, so I think they definitely represent the summer season for us. They're the things that we slip on, slip off for casual, easy freedom of summertime, and we go out and about in our flip-flops. And I think summer is the sweet time, isn't it? You know, it's a great time. Barbecues, parties, swimming, the beach. For us here in Australia, we enjoy Christmas and New Year in the summer. It's a really great time. It's a sweet season. And I think just like that, for us in our life, summer can be that sweet season. Things are going pretty well. There's no great trials or challenges going on. Nothing is really tumultuous in your life right now. It's a sweet season that God is allowing for you. I would say some of those summer seasons might look like your job is great, your family life is great, your marriage is great, your loving church, your love where you live, your love your community, your finances are pretty good, there's no bills stacked up knocking at the door. Those are just some of the ways that I would identify a sweet summer season of life. But whatever trials that you might have faced in the past, they're quite a distant memory right now. And you've got your flip-flops up by the pool and you're sipping a little umbrella drink. That's how I would picture the summer season. But I think that summer too has its dangers and challenges, doesn't it? You know, sadly in summer we have bushfires that are more prevalent, drownings and car accidents, boat accidents, shark attacks. And then of course there's the creepy crawlies that come out to play more in summer, the, the snakes and spiders and the bugs and mozzies. I think just like there are common dangers that we have in summer, the real summer season, in the summer of our lives, I think there are dangers as well. And I think that one common uh, danger that we can face in the summer of our life is forgetfulness. You know, I don't know if you're like me, you've, or, you know, you've forgotten the sunscreen and got burnt to a crisp, or you've forgotten the mozzie repellent and you got eaten by bugs. I think just like we can forget those things in summer, we can also fall into the trap of forgetting God. When things are going good, we forget that God is still the one that we are totally dependent on for grace and mercy. You know, I, I can testify, sadly, that I have done this often myself. When things are really hard, I will be on my knees praying before the Lord. I'll be in the Word a lot, trying to encourage my soul. But then when things are good, the Bible can gather a bit of dust and I can stop crying out to God for help. I don't mean to do it. It's, you know, I don't mean to forget the mozzie repellent, but I do. It just happens. I think similarly, I don't intentionally mean 
to forget God, but it can happen. And I think um, we can also stop delighting in him and delight instead in our good circumstances. We forget that he is actually the one who's allowed the good circumstances and we forget to thank him. He's the one who's perhaps brought us up out of the valley to the mountaintop with the umbrella drink for a while and we can forget to praise him and thank him for it. So how do we trust God and still look to Jesus as the one who waters our steps, the one we delight in, in the good seasons of life? I think we can do this in two ways. And Psalm 103 verses 2 to 5 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. I think the two ways that we can, based on those verses in that psalm, the two ways that we can delight in the Lord still in summer, firstly, prepare for summer to end, because it's going to end. Autumn and winter are not far away, and they will come. But sometimes I think we can live like summer's going to last forever, can't we? Literally and spiritually. But we can thank him, cultivating a thankful heart. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Praise him and thank him for every good gift that he's given to you. And if that includes a sweet reprieve from trials and suffering, then praise him for it and thank him for it. And I think, too, we can hide God's word in our heart. We can be like David who says in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, we will face trials. Autumn and winter are going to come. But when they come, would it be that in our hearts we have deeply embedded in us the word of God, just like a well needs to be filled up so that when you're thirsty, you're going to dip into that well to get a drink. I mean, we don't literally have wells, most of us anymore. But um, like that, when the dry seasons come in our lives, is there going to be anything to draw from? And I think when we hide God's word in our heart, we'll have a rich place to draw from when we need God's help the most. And the second thing is, I think we can delight in the summer season, is simple, but remember the Lord. The second part of Psalm 103, verse 2, and forget not all his benefits. You know, the opposite of forgetting is just simply remembering. And it might take some effort for us to do that. But I think it's a wonderful verse that reminds us that he is the one who's brought us out of the pit. He is the one who's redeemed us and given us eternal life. Now, I think God knows that we're going to be tempted to forget him. I think there is many warnings throughout scripture to God's people. Do not forget the Lord your God. Because he knew. He knew that when we went through good times, that we would easily forget him. We would be drawn away by the dazzling lights of, you know, the land flowing with milk and honey like the Israelites were. But he knew that they needed to know that he was still their God, that they should delight in him and not their good circumstances. I think, you know, I think of Dory, the fish from Finding Nemo. My kids call me Dory because I have a very bad memory. But I think like her, the forgetful fish, we can all suffer a bit from short-term memory loss at times and, and forget that God is the one who's ordered our steps, even in the fruitful, beautiful seasons of summer in our lives. So what about the winds of change when they come for autumn? 
Now, I please don't laugh at my gum boots. These are my gum boots. And uh, I think that they represent autumn because now I'm no gardener. I have a black thumb, not a green thumb, okay? <laughs> For those who know me, don't ever buy me a plant. I will kill it. As much as I love you, I will not care well for the plant. But I think in autumn, that is a time where we prune back the plants and the bushes so that they're going to flourish later on. And I think just like that, God too uses the changes in our lives to prune away the things that he knows are not good for us. And so autumn is a time of change, isn't it? The weather changes, the colors change, we change our clothing to warm up a little more. And I think it can actually be a tough season. Most of us are not thrilled about change. And the sun has stopped shining as much as it did in the summer season. And the winds can be a little bit chilly and blow where we were not expecting and that we didn't really want. I think we can often feel like, I didn't ask for this change. And God, you did not send me an email in advance that the changes were coming. And so you're completely unprepared. And, and sometimes it can feel like, I think the rug is being ripped out from under your feet. I think life is always changing. As surely as the autumn leaves will fall, changes are gonna come. Some are good changes, some that we're gonna be excited about. Some, yeah, they're all right, we can roll with it, so it's not too bad. But other things are really gonna rock our world and are really going to be upsetting to us. You know, I think, uh, you know, some examples of change that can unsettle us in circumstantially can be, you know, changing schools, changing youth group, changing churches. All those things require change and getting to know new people and form new relationships. Um, and they could be that you've moved house or changed to a different area. So you've got to adjust to that and get to know your community and make new friends. I think some other life stage changes that can actually bring some really massive unsettling, some good, some not so good in life, can be things like going from single to married, or sadly married to separated or divorced, or married to being a widow, um, from having many friends to having barely any friends, from a full-time student to full-time work, from full-time work to being a stay-at-home mom or the other way around. You've been a stay-at-home mom and now you're going back to work in the workplace. Um, it could be that you had a house full of kids and now you've got an empty nest or the other way around. You had an empty nest and then all the kids came home to roost for a while when you didn't expect it. Sometimes it could be something like you've gone from being fit and healthy to a chronic illness. There are many different changes that bring about, quite often, fear and uncertainty. If you're anything like me, sometimes the change that comes, the first response is to be anxious, to be fearful and worry, how on earth is this going to work out? But I think, praise God, that he is the one who can help us through change. You know, the, um, the some of the biggest changes in um, my life in the last uh, 20 years of marriage have been, we've moved house quite a lot. Sorry, excuse me. Um, and we've moved countries twice in that time. And I know some of you here can identify with that. Changing countries is hard. And uh, we moved as a family of five from Australia to America. And we had to get rid of quite a lot of stuff. We didn't take our furniture. We just, you know, sold most of it and... Um, and gave away the rest, but we took stuff that was really important to us, things we thought the kids can't possibly 
live without this box of videos, VCRs, people, back in the day. We took a whole box of VCRs that surely our kids would be devastated to part with. So all those things we packed up and shipped off, and uh, we took about 100 boxes with us, plus the suitcases we took on the plane. And to me, at the time, that was a big deal to have to get rid of all that stuff. But then, when we moved back from America to Australia, as a family of seven, we had acquired a set of twins along the way, and we did not have the finances to get a shipping container to move back, so we had to get rid of pretty much everything. The only things we could keep were things that were just so important to us and the clothes on our back, and even a lot of that we had to get rid of. And we landed back here in Australia with only what we could take on the plane with us, which was about five big boxes and a few suitcases. And I tell you, I cried a lot. I grieved the loss of my stuff. You know, that was hard to get rid of things that were really important to me. And I honestly, I cried a lot more when my lovely in-laws very kindly shipped over two boxes that were full of my really special china and porcelain things. And I opened them up from the post and they were broken. Like every single piece was broken. Some could be slightly repaired with super glue, but the rest was smashed. It was irreparable, ended up in the bin. So yeah, I, I cried a lot that day and for many days afterwards. But you know what? Looking back now, I know that God was teaching me that things change. But in the middle of that change, where was my hope? Was my hope in my God or was my hope in my stuff? Did I place so much security and comfort and joy and peace in my stuff that I'd forgotten that all really my delight and my joy should come from my Savior and be in who I am in Christ should give me that joy? Now, ladies, please don't hear me saying that there's anything wrong with, you know, having nice things. God does definitely bless us with beautiful things that we maybe display in our homes or we get to bless other, others with. There's nothing wrong with that. All of those things are a blessing from God, and we should thank him for them. But I think, as I learned, they should never replace God. They should never take the delight and never give you the security and comfort that only really God can give and that he wants to give to us. I think change is part of God's design and plan for us. He is definitely ordering our steps, even in the winds of shift and change. But I think it can be hard. But he is the loving and wise master gardener who gently gets the shears or the secateurs and he prunes back the dead branches. He uses the things of his mighty hand to gently weed out, I think, the idols that can build up in our heart that we don't even know are there sometimes. But he uses change to be able to help us in that. I think it can be painful and it's usually unwanted. <laughs> But I do believe that God can use that to help us love him more and to grow us to trust him more rather than being fearful and anxious. I think our Heavenly Father is that expert gardener who lovingly will bring about the changes that he wants in our lives through change sometimes because he loves us, because he is good, and it is for our good, but ultimately for his glory. Change can be hard and pruning can definitely be painful. But I think, you know, it can be hard to delight in our circumstances. But, you know, praise God, he does not want us to actually delight in our circumstances. 
He wants us to delight in the one that does not change. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift is from God and that he doesn't change like the shifting shadows. And Hebrews 13.8 gives us a beautiful promise that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who was faithful to you last week before your husband lost his job or before you got sick, he is the same faithful God today and will be still the same faithful saviour tomorrow and next week all through to eternity he never changes and I think you know things do shift and change around us in our own lives around the world things that can lead us to be afraid but we know that we can trust and hold on to the one who does not change praise God for that so on to winter we trudge and I do say trudge because that's often what we're doing in the winter season of our lives and I think we need good sturdy boots excuse my well-worn boots they are my favorites they are meant for trudging and hard work (laughs) but I think we do need boots for the winter season and I think they represent what we sometimes have to go through in the winter seasons of our lives now sadly if again you're anything like me I think uh, we can easily identify our lives by the winters and the storms we've walked through. They are the things that we quickly recall to mind when we're looking back in the past. Maybe some highlights, but often instead of the summer seasons, oh yeah, wasn't it a great summer of 73? You know, we don't usually think like that, but we do remember names of cyclones and hurricanes, don't we? Like, you know, Cyclone Tracy that wiped out Darwin, um, Hurricane Katrina that devastated the U.S. coast, Those things stick in our memory, but I think those things also stick in the memories of our hearts when we consider our lives and the marks that are left from the storms we've walked through. I think uh, so many of us can be very familiar with the storms of life. And maybe you're even walking through a storm right now. You know, the rain is pelting and the wind is blowing a hurricane. And you don't know when it's going to (laughs) end. Only God knows when it's going to end and I really want to encourage you ladies this morning that even if you're trying you've got your boots strapped on and you're still trudging and you're trying to cling to God but you're thinking how on earth can I possibly delight in him it's impossible you can't expect me to have joy in God when I'm walking through this but I want to say to you this morning ladies firstly we have Jesus we have our savior who knows what we're going through And he is the one who's ordering our steps, even in the eye of the tornado that you might be in right now. And I think secondly, I want you to look around the room at you gorgeous women before us. And these are your sisters, your sisters in Christ that God has blessed each one of us with in different ways to walk beside each other, to cry together, to trudge together until the storm subsides. Now, I think winter seasons come in various forms don't they some are short downpours of a thunderstorm others are like snowstorms that go on for weeks and you're blocked in your house and you have no idea when it's ever going to end or you're going to get out I have definitely walked through my own storms of various kinds in the last 30 years Um, I'm not 30 I'm older than that but you know prior to 10 I don't really remember (laughs) that there were many storms in my life (laughs) I would hate for anyone to think I was trying to pass myself off as 30 (laughs) 
I could try. <laughs> but uh, maybe some of these things you're familiar with yourself and they're common to you, but I'm sure that you know, some of them would be far more heartbreaking that you have gone through. But some of them for myself would be chronic illness that perhaps has left you bedridden for months at a time, miscarriage, uh, many, many uh, nights of sleeplessness thanks to new babies in the uh, season of newborn years, death of a loved one, painful turmoil in your marriage, um, a child who no longer wants to follow God, postnatal depression, a child diagnosed with chronic illness, unexpected unemployment, the traumas of training toddlers, um, or broken relationships that have left you with great pain from uh, the way that the things are not repairable, it seems. Many times there are storms and heartbreaks that we go through, and, you know, those are just a few. But how has, then... A loving God ordered our steps through these storms. <clears throat> How are we supposed to delight in him when sometimes it can feel like you're barely clinging on by your fingernails? How are we supposed to find joy in the Lord? I think once again, it's definitely not easy and we definitely cannot do it without God's help. We need his help to do this, ladies. I can testify that it is possible, even though hard. Um, you know, just this week, uh, for myself personally, I went through maybe what I would describe as a bit of another tidal wave that crashed over me that I was not expecting. And sadly, I have to say that my first response was not to delight in the Lord. It was to be overwhelmed by my emotions of anger and deep sadness. You know, I actually thought it was quite bizarre that I was preparing this talk for you ladies, that I wanted to encourage you into how to delight in the Lord, but yet that was the very thing that I was absolutely not doing. Um, and I think, sadly, I let my anger and my sadness overwhelm me, and I did not run to the Savior for a few days. Um, praise God. In his perfect timing, I think that I was preparing this talk to share with you because I was able to remind myself of this beautiful truth that Christ is sufficient. He is the one that we run to. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think that he was able to, by his grace, as he does, because he is the good shepherd that leads us by still waters for his namesake, I was able to find joy in him again by reminding myself of the truth of who he is and his word and that he is still ordering my steps so I can praise him, I can delight in him. It is definitely hard, but it's not impossible because of who we are in Christ. Hebrews six eighteen to 19 says this, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. What a beautiful reminder that Christ is our anchor. When we're in the storm, our life can feel like we're that boat, that flimsy little boat tossed around in a big ocean storm. And yet God is our anchor in that. And not only are we clinging to him, but really he's the one who's holding on to us. He is not shakable. He is not surprised even by the storms that you're facing. And he is with you in that little boat. He's in control of the storm. 
and he is the one that we can still delight in him. Yeah. When we trust in him, we can truly find delight in him. Mm. Now, I think there are many possible ways we can encourage our hearts to still delight in the Lord in the middle of winter. This is not an exhaustive list, and please don't hear me saying it's a must-do, you must do this, and then you'll delight in God. But these are things that I have found for myself to be great ways to encourage my heart and to delight in him in the middle of winter. Uh, the first one would be to don't hide out. Don't run away. Don't retreat. Don't go, oh, I'm, I'm not going to church or life group till I get this thing sorted out. I, I don't want to share it with anyone. I don't want them to know what I'm going through. I'll just deal with it on my own and then I'll get back to fellowship. Ladies, sadly, I think that will have the worst possible effect for you when you know that there are sisters around you who love you and want to help you through it. I think the other thing with that is to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves firstly before the Lord, crying out to help from him, but humble yourselves before others. It is really hard to accept help from other people, isn't it? I think you ladies totally excel at helping one another, caring for one another. If someone is in need, I've seen so many times and heard testimony of the ladies in our church getting alongside, whipping up a meal, taking care of kids, taking people to doctor's appointments, beautiful expressions of love for one another. But I think it's a lot harder for us to accept that and receive it and definitely to ask for it. You know, I've been guilty many times of declining people's offers of help because I feel embarrassed or I, and which is really just my pride. I feel like, oh, I don't want to let them know how bad things really are. And I've got this. I can't let them see I'm really falling apart or that I'm not trusting in God the way that I am. I know I should be, so I don't want to let on that I'm not. But that's just our pride. You know, we should share our burdens with one another because we love each other and we're sisters together. I think the third thing that I would encourage you to do is to rehearse the gospel to yourself. Tell yourself the basic truth that we know and love, that Christ died for my sins. I love that. It's so simple. And I can remember this one because it's on five fingers. <laughs> Christ died for my sins. He has paid it all. He's done it all. And he has done it for us. We don't have to do it. And so we know that he loves us and he's with us. But he also loves us enough that he's actually allowing us to walk through the storms we're in. Because, I mean, look, I don't understand God's sovereignty. It is a total mystery to me. But I do know that Romans 8.28 tells us that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. That's us, ladies. That's us this morning according to his purposes, not ours, for his glory. It's so important to remind ourselves of these truths. Just like we can forget that in summer and autumn, we can forget that as well when we're in the middle of a storm. And I would say lastly that we can pray. I know it sounds simple, but pray. Cry out to the one who knows your every need before you even ask it. He knows. <laughs> he knows the boat you're in and how precarious it feels to you. He knows the storm that is battering you, but he is with you in it. You know, Jesus suffered more than we ever will, so he knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it is to suffer. Hebrews 4, 14, 16 
Since then, we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. What a beautiful invitation to us to come to God's throne of grace. And what you're going to receive there is mercy, forgiveness, the joy that only he can give you, the peace that he can only give you in that storm. And he offers it freely to us. You know, I I wrestled a lot this past year with can joy and grief coexist? Can they walk side by side? They seem to be mutually exclusive. You cannot possibly be joyful when you're totally in sadness and grief. But you know what? I have discovered that it is possible. It's possible because we have Christ. Yes, we will have sorrow, but that sorrow will not crush us. Mm -hmm. That sadness will not ruin us or destroy us. Mm -hmm. Just as Psalm 37, verse 24, back to our original verse, though I fall down, which I have many times, even this week, I am not cast down, which means to be ruined, to be scarred for life to be destroyed. I am not hopeless because he upholds me by his hand. He is the one who carries me and he is the shelter in the storm. And just like David says in Psalm 36, 7, that we can find refuge in the shadow of his wings. Would we run to those beautiful wings, run to the throne of grace where we will find great refuge and comfort and that we can delight in him. And so to spring. So what shoes would be fitting for spring? I actually think none. I actually think that in spring we won't need shoes because we're headed for an eternal spring where we're not going to need shoes. (laughs) Praise God for that. (laughs) You know, I think that spring is the season that brings new life. It's where all things are made new and beautiful. (laughs) Sorry, I get emotional about that because I I do look forward to that day. And we know that in this life, it's not going to be perfect. There is no perfect spring, but we're going to get to go to that perfect spring one day. We do get a glimpse of it, even though we don't walk it here on earth, a glimpse of it in Revelation. And if you're comfortable, if you'd close your eyes while I read this and imagine for a moment the scene that is going to await us. Revelation 21, 1-7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. 
for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Isn't that the most exciting, amazing picture? This is our heritage. This is our hope, and this is where we're headed. Everything will be made new, everything perfect and wonderful. No tears, no pain, no disease, no suffering, no broken relationships. Everything will be as God intended. You know, I do long for that day, not because my life here is so terrible. I think I have a wonderfully blessed life here. But because I know that no earthly blessing that God has given me will ever compare to the blessings in Christ that I will get to enjoy when I get to eternity. You know, I do long for that day, again, not because my life is horrible here, but because none of it can possibly hold the hope for me that Christ does. You know, ladies, I would just so encourage you that nothing will ever compare to the riches and the glorious joy in Christ that you can have in him and that awaits you because you love him than anything on this earth will ever possibly offer to you. I would plead with you not to lose sight of the spring that is coming. You know, we get to experience spring here on earth, but would that point us to that day when we will get to see him face to face? Praise God, that will be so amazing. And we will get to enjoy all that he intended us to have. We do need to remind ourselves that this world is not our home, but we're going to our true home one day. Spring is coming. It could be just around the corner for some of us, but we don't know when it's going to happen. But may our hearts long for that more than we long for the treasures of this earth. So until then, what season are we going to walk through next? We don't know. We don't know what season or what the weather is going to be like. We don't control the weather, nor do we control the weather of our life. Only God controls that. But praise God that there is great beauty in knowing the one who is in control of all things. He is the one who will continue to order your steps, the one that we can continue to delight in him because we can trust that he is the good shepherd leading us beside still waters for his name's sake. Ladies, I just want to leave you with this last question. What season are you in now? Are you in the sweet summer season of your life? Praise God for that. Enjoy it. Delight in him. Hide God's word in your heart and meditate on his word. And please don't forget him. Are you facing right now the winds of change that have swept into your life? Delight in him, the unchanging one, the one who will not be shaken by the winds that blow but you can trust that he is your anchor because he is the one who is ordering your steps. He's also that beautiful master gardener who prunes our lives through sometimes the means of change. Or are you in the painful storms of winter? Delight in him. He is the one who's with you in the storm. 
humble yourself before the Lord, before others, to ask for help. He knows we need it. <laughs> We're not telling him anything new that he didn't already know. But he wants us to cry out to him. And don't forget to pray and ask for his help. And know that he upholds you by his hand. He's engraved us in the palm of his hand. What a beautiful picture that we know that we are in the shelter of his wings. No matter what season you're in, ladies, would you not forget the good shepherd who orders your steps? And would you continue to look to that eternal spring that's coming and find great hope and delight in the Savior? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are truly the beginning and the end. You are the good shepherd. You're the master gardener. You are the savior of our souls. And Lord, we are so dependent upon you for change in our lives. We need your help to grow in all of these things. Lord, we cannot possibly delight in you without you first helping us. So Lord, would you help us? Would you help us to change to be the women of God that you've called us to be? Would we find increasingly our hope and our trust and our identity is all in you alone? And Lord, we thank you that no matter what season we are walking through or will walk through in the future, that you are holding us close. You are our anchor and you love us. Help us to delight in you all of our days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much for coming this morning. Uh, there's still some fruit left. Feel 